This is the Aspen Public Radio Newscast. I'm your host, Eleanor Bennett, here with your top stories this Friday. The city of Aspen's representatives on the Aspen Pitkin County Housing Authority, or APSHA, gave the council an update this week on the board's priorities. Caroline Yanez has more on the discussion. Councilors John Doyle and Ward Howenstein, who are both on the APSHA board, highlighted specific programs that APSHA has implemented recently, like a pilot grant program for home repairs or a right-sizing program that will move families into units that have the appropriate amount of bedrooms. But the council also had a broader conversation about how people qualify for affordable units. APSHA divides residents into five categories based on a household's income and assets. But the current system has led to inequities in what people pay for their affordable unit. Here's John Doyle. All I know is when some people are paying 9.4% of their income and other people are paying 43.8% of their income, uh, that's not equitable. And we need to find a better solution than that. Counselors were generally supportive of exploring more flexible income requirements to make the system work better for everyone. Caroline Yanez, Aspen Public Radio News. City electric crews responded to a power outage in Glenwood Springs last night that impacted multiple areas of town. According to a spokesperson for the city, power was restored around 9.30 p.m. last night. Officials say the outage was likely caused by a circuit breaker issue. Some of the world's best skiers and snowboarders will compete at Buttermilk this weekend for the Winter X Games in Aspen. That includes Olympic gold medalist Eileen Gu, who's excelled in the big air, superpipe, and slope-style disciplines. The freestyle skier earned three medals at the X Games in 2021, then decided to skip the competition and focus on the Olympics in 2022. She returned to Aspen for the event last year, but got sidelined by an injury during a training run. Now she's back in action and says she's hungry for more hardware at the X Games. You know, competing to me is just so much fun. It's it's more than just about winning, but I, I think that that definitely is a marker of the work that you've put in. And so to that extent, I think that not being able to ski for a while um, last year really reinstilled in me this drive, this love for the sport, and this conviction that this is really what I want to be pursuing. Gu was speaking at a press conference yesterday. She's on the roster for two events this weekend, Slope Style tomorrow and the Superpipe on Sunday. Tickets are required to get up close to the action, but there are still some free viewing areas. There is no parking on site for the X Games, but there are plenty of free buses and shuttles running from the Brush Creek Park and Ride and from downtown Aspen and Snowmass Village. Events will also be live-streamed for free at xgames.com. The results of Audubon's 124th annual Christmas bird count are in. Over 750 counts took place in a one-week period in December across the country, including here in the Valley. Rebecca Weiss is a naturalist with the Aspen Center for Environmental Studies and has been helping lead the Up Valley count for the last 15 years. She says the group recorded about 50 species and over 1,300 individual birds, including about 16 bald eagles, and some unexpected birds like a Mexican duck. That has never been uh, recorded on an Aspen Christmas bird count over all the years that we've been doing it. Um, And that bird's been hanging out over in Snowmass on the golf course ponds. And uh, so that was pretty exciting to have a a brand new species to add this year. Volunteers with Snowmass Ski Patrol and the Roaring Fork Audubon also participated in the December count. 
Mary Harris leads Roaring Fork Audubon and says the group has been doing bird counts in the valley for nearly 50 years. She says data from the Christmas count is used by groups like U.S. Fish and Wildlife and the EPA, and it's critical to understanding how local bird populations are being impacted by things like climate change and human development. We are seeing a decline in our birds, and we're hoping that that we can educate the people who make decisions about where things can be developed. All of us are guilty. We usually like to point our finger at those that are chopping down the Amazon, but it's what we're doing here, too, that is very important. While certain species like crows and magpies have increased over the years, Harris says she's seen more overall declines in other species in the valley, from songbirds and waterfowl to woodpeckers and hummingbirds. And she hopes that bird outings like the Christmas Count can teach people about the importance of protecting them. The Bureau of Land Management is looking for public feedback on some proposed rule changes that would impact recreation in western Colorado. That includes much of the Roaring Fork and Colorado River Valleys. The new rules cover a variety of recreation-related activities, like building fires, disposal of human waste, and keeping dogs leashed. There would also be some rules for camping and firing guns, as well as trail use for horseback riders and mountain bikers. Some of the local areas that would be subject to the new rules would be the Crown and Basalt and Red Hill and Shooty Ranch in Carbondale. The public can comment on the proposed changes until March on the BLM's website. First responders are reminding drivers in the valley to wear a seatbelt. As the Aspen Daily News reports, there have been a string of car accidents in the Mid-Valley that resulted in serious injuries or deaths that might have been prevented by the use of seatbelts. Since early September, Roaring Fork Fire Rescue Chief Scott Thompson has counted at least five accidents where seatbelts weren't used that resulted in three deaths and two life-threatening injuries. Thompson told the Daily News he doesn't believe scare tactics will convince people to use seatbelts, but he's convinced that if the general public could see what first responders regularly encounter in crashes, everyone would wear a seatbelt. The Western Slope Veterans Coalition is hosting a stand-down day today in Glenwood Springs for veterans in the region. The event takes its name from the concept of stand-down sites during the Vietnam War. The idea was for soldiers to have a safe place to go after combat operations where they could get a hot meal, new uniforms, and medical care. The stand-down day in Glenwood will offer vets suicide prevention training, housing assistance, and a hot meal. Representatives from the Federal Department of Veterans Affairs will also be available. It'll go from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. today at the Western Slope Veterans Coalition office on the corner of 8th Street and Colorado Avenue. In local arts and culture news, Aspen Films' Isis Theater will stream a Metropolitan Opera performance of Carmen tomorrow morning. The show, directed by Carrie Cracknell, reimagines George Bizet's classic opera in the modern day. It explores themes like gendered violence, abusive labor structures, and the desire to break through societal boundaries. The screening begins just before 11 a.m. and lasts more than three hours. A series of conversations, seminars, and readings focused on rediscovering common ground in America kicks off on Monday. The kickoff event is a virtual talk featuring diplomat Richard Haas and historian Walter Isaacson. Haas is the author of The Bill of Obligations, The Ten Habits of Good Citizens. 
It's this year's common reader book for a long-running program organized by Colorado Mountain College. CMC, Aspen Public Radio, and Colorado's PBS 12 are presenting the series. Mary Louise Kelly, co-host of NPR's All Things Considered, will moderate the event next week. The talk runs from noon to 1 p.m. Monday. More information is posted on our website, aspenpublicradio.org. In statewide news, a new bill at the legislature will give renters more power to stay put when their lease expires. CPR's Andrew Kenny reports. Under a new proposal, landlords would not be allowed to evict tenants just because the lease is over. As long as the units on the rental market and the tenants in good standing, they'd have the right to stay. Democratic Representative Javier Mabry. Renters deserve a sense of stability. Those who cannot afford to own homes have a sense of home in their rental units. Landlords could still raise the rent and change the rules after a lease expires. It's a scaled-back version of a bill that failed last year. But it's still drawing criticism from landlords who say it'll tie their hands with problem tenants. I'm Andrew Kenny, CPR News. A proposed ballot measure to create constitutional protections for abortion access could go before Colorado voters in November. Proposition 89 would amend the state constitution to prohibit state and local governments from infringing on the right to an abortion. Dr. Rebecca Cohen is an OBGYN in Denver. At the measure's campaign launch this week, she said Colorado needs to protect itself from the whims of Congress. National politicians in D.C. are looking every day to limit abortion care. And so that may mean that if we don't put the protections in place, that people may not be able to get the care that they need. Supporters now have to collect enough signatures to qualify Prop 89 for November's ballot. A coalition of Colorado reproductive rights groups called Coloradans for Protecting Reproductive Freedom is backing the measure. And in regional news, for now the third time, Congress has extended temporary federal firefighter pay raises with a continuing resolution. The Mountain West News Bureau's Murphy Woodhouse reports on how that's being received by firefighters and their advocates. The extension goes through just early March, and funding won't come out of the bipartisan infrastructure law, but from other funds within federal fire agencies. That's according to the advocacy group Grassroots Wildland Firefighters. Lucas Mayfield is its president. The can was kicked farther down the road, so they extended the gangplank that federal wildland firefighters are walking on. With fire season in some parts of the country just several months out, he says the uncertainty around pay and the succession of quick fixes have serious implications. I think it'll be a a continuation of what's already uh, a pretty depressing hiring process for folks. He says his group is going to continue pushing for a permanent pay fix and measures that address a number of other long-standing issues like housing and mental health. Officials have identified low pay and other challenges as some of the key barriers to recruitment and retention in the Federal Fire Service. For the Mountain West News Bureau, I'm Murphy Woodhouse. The Aspen Public Radio Newscast is produced by our news team, which includes Hallie Zander, Caroline Yanez, Kaya Williams, and me, your host, Eleanor Bennett. You can listen to the show every weekday morning on our website or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening and see you next time.